Hi, everybody, and welcome to another Tag One Team Talk. I'm really happy to be here with some of my uh, great friends and colleagues from the Drupal community here today. Um, by the way, my name is Preston So. I'm contributing editor at Tag One and moderator of the Tag One Team Talks and author of Decoupled Drupal in Practice. Today, I'm joined by people from all around the world today, including Michael Myers, Managing Director of Tag One, helped establish and is an advisor to the Drupal Association, a VP of Developer Relations, formerly at Acquia, and CTO of the first top 100 Drupal-based website. Fabian Franz is based in Switzerland. He's the Senior Technical Architect and Performance Lead at Tag One, one of the five Drupal 7 core branch maintainers. He's also one of the top 50 contributors to Drupal 8 and maintainer of several important Drupal 8 core subsystems like BigPipe, Dynamic Page Cache, and Theme API. We're also joined today in Hamburg by Sebastian Simpson, a senior architect and lead React developer at Tag1, also known as Fubi in the Drupal community and around the interwebs. And he's a contributor to Drupal for 10 years, maintainer of the GraphQL module, and has contributed to over five dozen Drupal modules. Today, we're here to talk about decoupled Drupal, a topic that I know all of us have heard a lot about, might not be so familiar with, but is on all of our minds. But first, I wanted to turn over uh, uh, the mic to Michael Myers to talk a little bit about why we're all interested in this and what Tag One is all about. Thanks, Preston, uh, Fabian, and Sebastian for joining us. Uh, Tag One is the second all-time leading contributor to Drupal. Um, we work on highly scalable, highly available, mission-critical applications, as well as architectural oversight and delivery assurance. Um, Decoupled Drupal is something that comes up uh, more and more frequently with organizations that we're working with, whether they're integrating disparate systems like Adobe Experience Manager in Drupal or migrating across uh, platforms of Drupal like Semantic. Uh, through a unified front end, they're able to pull together a lot of different systems. Um, and it's also just the new hotness. So people that are migrating to Drupal from other applications, it's one of the things that they always want to talk about. So. Absolutely. Uh, thanks, Mike, for that background. I think Tag1 is one of the major progenitors of a lot of the work that we have seen around decoupled Drupal. Obviously, there would not be uh, a lot of this availability of these amazing modules and contributed projects without Tag1's uh, sponsorship. So let's go ahead and dig right in, uh, how about? And I wanna kind of give a little bit of background. I imagine that a lot of our listeners and uh, uh, viewers today have not really worked with decoupled Drupal potentially. So let's start there. I think uh, all four of us have different viewpoints and different perspectives about decoupled Drupal, but let's all agree on one thing. I mean, we all agree that decoupled Drupal is this idea that centers around using Drupal to consume data through an external application. And I think that's the core of what Decoupled Drupal is about, the separation of data that we have in Drupal from the presentation layer that is in a different uh, place. I wanted to kind of stop there because there's a lot, that's a very general and broad definition, but it's not necessarily the definition that a lot of us are looking for. Um, I'm curious, you know, Fabian, how, how would you define uh, Decoupled Drupal kind of at its core? Uh, I think you described that already uh, very nicely. Um, uh, for me, Decoupled Drupal, <laughs> and that's also why I'm usually less of an advocate for it, at least not for the fully Decoupled Drupal experience, is um, that you also lose a lot of, of, of what makes Drupal great because you're really just providing it. It's an API, 
it's it's really just an API. That's what Decoupled Drupal for me is. It's an API, and then you have a backend for content management and inserting, etc. And that's still nice, but it's still cutting off a lot of what Drupal has. So that's my definition. And how about you, Sebastian? I mean, you know, you've been working in uh, the GraphQL world, the React world. You've been in an, involved in a lot of different technologies outside of the PHP landscape. Uh, do these definitions of decoupled Drupal resonate with you? Do you agree with this notion that you lose a lot of the important functionality? I'm curious for your thoughts in this regard as well. Absolutely. So um, I totally agree with what Fabian just said. You're definitely losing a lot of the things that make Drupal great. On the other hand, it gives you the flexibility to build something um, custom on top of the data model that Drupal provides. I'd like to add though, add, though that uh, one more point that is really important for me for decoupled Drupal is that not only um, um, <clears throat> decoupled for me doesn't only mean that uh, you're separating the representational layer from the data layer, but also you are making Drupal replaceable in this whole setup. So, and you can only achieve that if the API itself is agnostic of the underlying data storage model that Drupal provides by default. That's a very interesting um, um, outlook. And I actually uh, uh, do believe that, it, that, you know, this does threaten in some ways Drupal's place in a lot of the architectures that we uh, work with. And I think it does have a lot of um, implications, you know, not just from a technological standpoint in terms of how people consider Drupal or represent Drupal in their stacks, but also how the community will kind of go in this direction and what the implications are there. Um, I also want to turn to a little bit of the commercial side of things though. Um, Mike, you know, you've been involved with a fair amount of decoupled Drupal projects. I'm kind of curious, you know, how have, how is Tag1 and how have you been thinking about or considering decoupled Drupal uh, from the commercial standpoint and from more of the kind of customer mindset? Um, are there differences in how people perceive decoupled Drupal from the point of view of Tag1's clients or the Drupal kind of commercial ecosystem at large? I mean, I think it's generally considered an advantage. You know, it's interesting to hear you guys talk about how there might be um, eroding some of Drupal's value. Um, you know, in, in my mind, one of Drupal's most powerful features has been its input-output capabilities. You know, sort of like a middleware of an application. It integrates really well with other systems. So, you know, the RESTful compliance, the, you know, the GraphQL support, you know, this only, I think, strengthens Drupal's ability to integrate with applications. And then, you know, in the example that I gave earlier, you know, historically moving from one version of Drupal to another, H9 is a very different, you know, scenario. Um, you know, it's going to be significantly easier. Um, but, you know, what, what Semantic did in, you know, providing unified front end across multiple websites has made it significantly easier to migrate over time from Drupal 7 to 8. You know, they deprecate, you know, things, you know, a single page to an end user could have information coming from, a large number of different systems. Uh, so from, from a client standpoint, the ability to decouple Drupal has uh, been a huge asset. If anything, it's only increased their interest in the platform. Absolutely. Yeah, I, also, uh, I also want to, to add to that, um, that we have to think about what decoupled and want to define the definition even a little bit more because uh, fully decoupled would really mean Drupal is completely replaceable. 
uh, even all input output forms, even all content editing or whatever you're doing is uh, you would use Google just as an application. In this case, it's it's still giving you this powerful entity system and permission system, etc. Um, but it's basically acting like a Laravel thing or like a Symfony application where really everything goes through that. While with, for example, if you, for example, have it more like a traditional CMS where the admins are still um, entering all things on the traditional interface, but that's just the users are consuming the site in different things, then obviously you keep a lot more um, of, of what Drupal has to offer you. And it's then also less replaceable, obviously, uh, because you have built this admin interface and everything like that. And um, I think that's that's an important distinction to make. Uh, for me, one of the big advantages of Decouple Drupal and um, Gatsby is going into different in the same direction as security, plain and simple. If I have a content server, and in the end, as my output product, regardless of how it's created, um, I get static HTML pages. Um, so not even not even this consuming of an API. It's it's also decoupled, but it's even it, it's even more decoupled. Uh, static HTML pages that I push to some server, it's hundred percent secure. <laughs> No one can hack the static HTML pages, and uh, for me, that's a that's a huge advantage of this uh, completely um, decoupled thing. Yet another part of it where there's not even an API anymore. Absolutely, and I want to dig into some of the architectural and security implications here because I do agree with you 100%, Fabian. I do think that uh, there are some interesting ideas that have been emerging. Gatsby, of course, being one of them. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a product manager over there, and um, there's a lot of implications that, that, that I think we should dig into. But first, I want to kind of uh, introduce ourselves a little bit and our backgrounds to the audience. I think a lot of us have, we've obviously talked a lot about these topics. We know each other very well. But I don't know if the audience knows us quite as much. Um, and I want to jump all the way back to one of the things you said earlier, Fabian, about kind of this notion of different flavors of decoupled Drupal. I remember back in uh, 2015, there was that explosive, or not explosive, but you know, kind of the first blog post that Dries had written about decoupled Drupal, um, and where he introduced this idea of progressive decoupling, this idea that you can consume uh, the APIs that are served by Drupal um, actually through Drupal itself, and kind of maintain some of this functionality that we hold near and dear. But a lot of people realized as well that this wasn't exactly providing the best developer experience. And, and over the course of time, my views have evolved quite a bit as well. I originally agreed with that kind of model. And today, you know, I think that there's really good use cases for monolithic architectures. I think that Drupal itself, uh, there are many use cases for people to use Drupal on its own without any other front end, especially for users who don't have as much development experience. And there's also use cases for people to decouple Drupal, um, just like the semantic case that Mike just mentioned. The thing we were talking about was kind of like, uh, what's the current state of decoupled Drupal? And uh, Sebastian, I would be really interested in to know what uh, you think about that. Um, to answer that question, I'd like to get back to your uh, argument that you made earlier about uh, Drupal and the Drupal admin interface and losing value from the things that Drupal provides out of the box when you're not working on a decoupled environment. Um, so uh, one of the nice things that I think actually add value to Drupal is the fantastic administrative interface and uh, also the data model that you can 
craft and fine-tune and build right around your uh, requirements, the field API, the entity API. These are the strong, um, the strong selling points of Drupal. And usually when, when um, I'm talking to clients and trying to, um, yeah, trying to push them into the direction of uh, building a decoupled site using uh, Drupal, um, this is one of the main arguments. So you're getting a free uh, administrative interface with all of the permissions um, and everything that Drupal offers out of the box in terms of access control and uh, administrative overviews um, for free. And then you can build your decoupled site on top of that. Um, and then there are multiple options, of course. So you can use GraphQL, you can use REST, you can use uh, JSON API and so on. Um, but uh, yeah, for me, GraphQL, that was the, the, the time when they open sourced that in 2015. That was the time when it really clicked for me that uh, this was the one thing that we were all missing um, in the API space, especially then uh, because I was working on a very complex application using React. And uh, it was just this one missing piece for me that totally made sense in the very moment that it was open sourced and announced at a conference. Um, so yeah, early in 2015, I then uh, started working um, on GraphQL for PHP. Um, first started trying to build a parser library on PHP. The Node.js, um, the JavaScript implementation was just open sourced. Um, and then, yeah, quickly after that, we started working on the GraphQL module for Drupal. Um, I think we started releasing that on DO in uh, March 2015. And uh, ever since then, we have been working to try and find the right model. We're still working on that, um, but it's getting there. Yeah, um, <laughs> um, I think that that's really interesting. Uh, one of the, and I, I totally agree. Um, I think it's one of the hugest talent points is entity and field API. And um, we're currently pursuing a project in, in Laravel. And in this Laravel project, um, one of the first things we're kind of doing is at least putting some light layers in that resemble like this, these concepts of an entity and these concepts of field because it's, it's just so powerful that a field, you define it once, it can validate itself. And all of that obviously also works with, with like the APIs you're consuming. So yeah, totally agree. Uh, so my, my point was kind of like, um, you are only losing all of this capability if you use Drupal just as an application, really just using the input output in that. But as soon as you start using the admin phase, you have, have much tools to still work with in that and yeah really, really great and uh, one question to graphql because i ever want to ask that so graphql may basically means the client can um, um do the query and kind of determine how it wants the data model that's stored in the server look like on the client would that be a layman terms uh, definition <laughs> or am i totally off um one way to describe graphql that i like very much is that the GraphQL um, contract defined in the GraphQL schema turns the responsibility between the client and the server, so the consumer and the data provider upside down, where this, the server through the GraphQL schema defines the possibilities, the data possibilities that the server can fulfill. And the client from the, the, these possibilities um, per request defines exactly what uh, the client or the consumer needs. Um, so the client sends the query to the server in a specific format. And uh, this format is, yeah, you can think of it as 
the JSON that you want to have returned from the API, but only the keys of the JSON. And then the server fills in these keys with all the values. And uh, you're presented on, um, when the response comes back, you're presented with the data in the exact same shape that you requested it in. Another really quick question, because I always want to know that. One of the other things that I really like about Drupal itself is the entity reference system. It can be abused, maybe you have like 10 layers deep, obviously, but um, um, if I have like entity references, can I make great use of them with GraphQL as well, like um, going deeper into structures? This is exactly the point of GraphQL. Um, as as uh, you can see already by the name, it's all about graphs and all data, no matter how you, how you want to uh, look at it, all data is always a graph. And uh, especially in Drupal, we have deeply nested relational data structures. And so these are all definitely 100% suitable for mod uh, modeling them into a graph. And uh, yes, of course, you can traverse in this data tree and follow entity references um, all the way down to however many nesting levels you want. Um, there's actually a nice um, notion in GraphQL for schema and query validation where you can um, prevent DDoS attacks against a very complex query with high amounts of nesting layers um, by checking the complexity of the query in a, ahead of time before executing it, right? Because potentially, of course, you could query for a list of uh, 100 nodes with uh, a reference field in them and then go down um, multiple layers and then the, the listing becomes uh, exponentially more expensive. Um, so the with end, the complexity, whole database. <laughs> exactly. You could totally do that. Um, and then of course, that's the question that's, that gets asked quite a few times, um, on our issue queue, how do you prevent, um, complex queries, uh, DDoSing your, um, your servers? And that's exactly how you do it. You'd, um, analyze the, the query ahead of time and you can easily do it because the, the, the schema and the query schema are, um, predictable so you can um, look at the schema and the query ahead of time and analyze it uh, using visitor rules and patterns. I think that that uh, is one of the examples of how, you know, we've seen GraphQL take on this amazing reach, not just in Drupal, but across the JavaScript community. Uh, people really love GraphQL. I love GraphQL. You know, I use it all the time. Um, and, and it kind of really, you know, is making me realize that we've opened the door with decoupled Drupal to a lot of different API uh, specifications, a lot of different, you know, there's now more web services that people can use with Drupal. Um, one example is JSON API, obviously, in core. We have GraphQL, thanks to uh, the efforts of Fubi and others. Um, and we have others as well. And one of the things that I wanted to ask is, you know, there's so many of them out there now. You know, now we have relaxed web services. Um, it seems like there's less and less standardization around a single one. Obviously, JSON API is now in core. I would have liked to also kind of see you know, some more adoption of GraphQL in the Drupal community as well. So I'm kind of curious, you know, and, and, and let's start with you, Sebastian. Like, you know, how do you feel about kind of GraphQL adoption in Drupal? How do you feel about where decoupled Drupal is today right now and uh, the implications for you? I mean, just by looking at the usage numbers on Drupal.org, you can directly see that JSON API and GraphQL are definitely um, um, not uh, the same in usage counts. So definitely JSON API has more users, obviously also because it's in core. Um, but on the other hand, uh, I think one of the main reasons for that is also the documentation, which is excellent for the JSON API module. I have to give them a big shout out for that. Um, in GraphQL, um, I think when you, if you're coming from the React 
side, um, you're likely to be already familiar with GraphQL. So a React developer that comes to Drupal um, and, as, uh, and has Drupal as a backend or a potential backend, um, they are more likely to, to look at JSON API and React uh, and GraphQL and then maybe make a decision for GraphQL just because they are more familiar with GraphQL already. But for, for users that are coming from the Drupal spheres, um, I think just because it's in core and also because of the excellent documentation, I think you're more likely to go with JSON API at this point. Um, there's also another hurdle that we have uh, created with the newer version that we are working on currently, the GraphQL module version number four, um, where the schema is absolutely 100% in your own hands. So you have to create your own custom schema with own custom code, um, which is also my big selling argument for GraphQL um, because you get to define the schema and you get to decouple Drupal actually on the data access and on the API on the contract level. Um, and you're not pushing the data model of Drupal and the data model internals of Drupal onto the consuming applications. I personally am very excited for the V4 release of uh, GraphQL. Um, and uh, I know that a lot of people have been requesting those features, uh, Sebastian. Um, before we jump into more about discussion about, you know, kind of where we are today, um, Fabian, how did you get involved in decoupled Drupal? And, and, and why is this topic interesting to you? So I started my first decoupled site in 2009. <laughs> Out of necessity, uh, all of the sites I built at the time, that was pre my Drupal career, um, uh, made with CMS made simple. Uh, and it just returned at a certain pass an unstyled HTML snippet, but I still call it decoupled because besides that, I just had a static HTML page. And the reason for that was that um, uh, my now wife, at that time girlfriend, is a graphics designer. We were building uh, sites together and she was designing these words and graphical things as really nice and slick with um, animations and everything. And yeah, some of the data could come from. There was one of, maybe um, we were pretty early for web animation. Everything else was more flash at that time. So yeah, um, that's why the sites had to be um, <laughs> decoupled because they were getting their data. They were basically Photoshop um, JPEGs in the end uh, that were paid. So all of those data needed to come from, from remote. So that's how my first decoupled site started, <laughs> basically. And I love that um, it was kind of an unintentional fall into decoupled Drupal for you. Um, I, I remember those days uh, writing action script and and trying to uh, uh, work with um, you know how how to combine these technologies. It's really amazing how far we've come. Uh, how do you feel about kind of the present? You know, uh, you know, we've heard from Sebastian that um, you know a lot of the uh, current state of of just how how much these web services and tools have really changed the way that we look at um, how we handle data. Uh, in Drupal, obviously uh, now with GraphQL v4, there'll be a lot more features to come. Um, I'm kind of curious, you know, how do you feel about kind of where decoupled Drupal is today? Do you feel worried at all? Do you feel excited? Um, what are your thoughts on, on kind of where we are in the Drupal community today? I feel pretty mixed overall. Um, I've also um, seen, um, uh, in one side, I, I love it. In the other side, I'm skeptical <laughs> because it's always like with and, and also with with my own decouple sites um, that I've done for huge clients um, um, at Tech One. Um, 
you always lose kind of this these this administrative functionalities. Fortunately for this particular project, I was able to bring, for example, contextual links back, which is really cool. So you have like um, like uh, you still have like with Gatsby like this uh, generator of HTML in the end, but we also um, generate all the JSON on the fly. In this case, custom made because data model was really really simple. So JSON API whatever would have been just overkill. Um, was also still Drupal seven, and um, so we consume all of that and. Um, then we are still trying to export all of this functionality that Drupal is so nice about the contextual links that you have like edit links for administrators directly on the page and just to integrate that into this uh, decoupled application uh, that's later just static HTML that was kind of a challenge but that's interest that that's the kind of challenges that's interesting for me for the current state I think Drupal is an excellent API for mobile applications and all of that I'm not sure I agree with the current state of um, where people are either completely decoupling or completely not decoupling. I think um, one of the um, large mistakes we basically made in core and with, where the JavaScript world is on a completely different page is that we are mixing data trees and presentation like within our render arrays and within our structures and within our entities and all of that. Um, um, which makes it so hard because uh, one of the things working on the current project I see more and more is like there's this huge disconnect when you work with, with React community and React developers between and then you work with pure backend Drupal theme layer developers and, and it's like two different languages and I think it's very important to bring both of those back together. And for me, the huge answer for that, and also the, the the challenge and the thing, and I'll be talking at DrupalCon about that, is web components. Um, really to have everything based on components, and interestingly enough, Drupal 6 had been further along with that than Drupal 8 <laughs> or 7, <laughs> because it, it had a much more narrow and a strict definition of how things would be like a component matching today and also how we do we integrate this javascript and then i think that would be a really cool cool thing in that you have like your normal site but then you have a component and that component only cares about where it gets its data and it doesn't matter if it's on the front end if it's on the back end it just gets its data from somewhere it can be drupal's data model it can be graphql it can be json api but we need to do the same and that's that's a point where drupal is not going far enough for me we need to do the same on the on the back end as on the front end to have something unified that can be combined in that. This obviously still a nice developer experience. So it should not be that you need to learn something completely new or something that you need to combine those technologies. We, we need to bring front end and back end further together, especially as I think those web components are so important. So that's my, my thoughts about that. And I will be talking a lot more about uh, that at DrupalCon in my well, I'm definitely looking very forward to uh, seeing that session. Um, and, and a brief plug for, for that session, Fabian, um, uh, you're talking about web components at DrupalCon. I'll also be talking about live preview with Gatsby and Drupal. Um, Sebastian, do you have something on the docket for, for Amsterdam as well? I don't. I'm not even going. I am currently personally involved a little bit because I'm moving back to Vienna in January. Um, so uh, I don't have the time right now for conferences. Yes, totally understand that. Life always gets in the way. Um, I'd like to, I'd like to um, expand on the thoughts of Fabian that he just shared with us. 
So uh, um, I would actually say we have to split the backend and the frontend and Drupal on the kernel level so much further apart from each other. Right now, um, there's uh, so much weight on Drupal and uh, also that's a performance concern, not only for um, Drupal on the admin interface, but also on the API layer. So whatever API solution we build always also drags along all of the weight of the Drupal, um, of the entire Drupal environment uh, and always loads and runs the same logic that is used also for pre uh, presenting um, normal HTML pages and rendering them with Twig. I think it would be really beneficial for Drupal to actually fulfill this, this um, uh, dream that we all had uh, a few years ago when we started with the API First initiative, where Drupal itself at its core is only um, a very slim kernel that provides all of the um, low level functionality like entity API, API field API, et cetera, but completely isolated from any of the UI layer components. Uh, no widgets, nothing, just the raw data model and the, and, the, and the routing layer and so on. But even that without all of the administrative routes and so on directly built into the system. And then on top of that, there would be another component for the administrative UI that uses um, a slightly bigger kernel with the other components uh, on top of it and a, another layer um, that could be completely replaceable, which is the front-end layer. And that could be entirely replaced with a pure API layer. So just answering to Jason, um, uh, with Jason from, from API resources that you define, for instance, a single one with GraphQL or multiple ones that are defined in JSON API. Um, this would also add to security because you could then completely split up the routing at a much higher level and even um, uh, have uh, like the um, um, HTTP server route the requests to different runtimes based on the path that is sent. Yeah, Sebastian, you know, that's one of the things that I think is, is, is very important for us to consider is that, you know, Drupal has become this really large monster that is many things to many different people. You know, we talked about how uh, uh, many people use it because they want to edit content. Many people use it because they want to consume the APIs. Um, and I think there is a lot of concern about the fact that we've never really decoupled Drupal itself to a large extent. And you made this uh, very clear earlier when you said that even decoupled Drupal itself is a misnomer because we're not actually decoupling any of the functionality within Drupal. Um, so I'm kind of curious, you know, uh, uh, Fabian, what are your thoughts on this? And where do you see all of this going? So um, <laughs> I, I think um, if for me, it's important. Uh, okay, let, let's go a little bit into, into the ideas um, that I have for that. First of all, we have to take a look at how the JavaScript community does it. How does a React component look? How does a web component look? And if you look, um, or even a Vue component, it's, it's really simple to understand. And it's basically a CSS, HTML, and um, JavaScript on the front end things. But the other part is um, that um, for me then um, there's something else and that is data. And usually those data in most of those funded technologies I've worked with so far is just a data tree. So you get your data from somewhere. And that's not where Drupal is internally because you have a render array and it references an entity, which is an object, which is backed by a database table, but which has loaded data already and which has rich fields, which obviously need for all the input and all of that. Um, but that, that's not what you need. 
or you have a recent content block and it's a view and it outputs data and it's, it's HTML and that. But that's not what you need. What you need is you need this graph approach <laughs> that Ruby is talking about, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking more of it in terms of performance that you have a graph approach where, where you put your data in, where you put, um, for example, if I have this, um, my favorite links block, whatever, then data storage is cheap by now as long as it's fast. Um, so for example, whenever the user changes his favorites, I change this data tree for this user to update his favorites. And then I just have the data of what this user's favorites are. For example, already rendered or whatever. And then I have just data and this data can be consumed by the backend or the front end. And that's what I mean with, um, we need to de decouple the data from the object itself. We have everything mixed way too much together in that. But what we need to render things is, is pure data. And, and that's what we're not having right now, in my opinion. Would you say you agree with that, Sebastian? What are your uh, thoughts on that as well? The decoupling yes, I, of data from objects. Yes, I agree with that. But there's also one more thing that I've, um, I think is a big, big problem in Drupal and especially the rendering pipeline mm -hmm. in Drupal is currently it's entirely um, push-based. So. Uh, when Drupal is working on a request and it's working to fulfill such a request, it um, runs a gigantic processing engine to pull together data from various sources and then feed them into templates. And then the template picks out just a small fracture of the produced data to um, render the output. Instead, I think what we need is to uh, turn that entire, entire um, rendering pipeline upside down where um, only at the very end, uh, you are essentially pulling the data from the graph as, as the engine and as the template needs it. Um, so I think a good, uh, great benefit would be to um, turn the templating engine or the rendering engine from a push-based approach into a pull-based approach. And that's exactly where I want to go with the web components approach because a pull, uh, this pull-based approach would become naturally like that. You have a navigation bar, you just put in navbar, like, like navbar for my enterprise. And then wherever I need to use this navbar, I just use this navbar component. And then I just have the data for this nav tree come from somewhere. And it can come traditionally with Drupal, like, like with data, it can come GraphQL, it can come from anywhere. And that's why I think this web component approach is so powerful, both for the backend as well as for the frontend, um, because First of all, by having those components be the same, consuming the same data, we make them interchangeable. So we make decoupling way, way, way easier. We make progressively decoupling easier. We make performance simpler. And also with this pull-based approach, as you said, we don't need to do all this stuff from which we only need a few tiny things. It's also where my whole performance model of Drupal 8 was based on basically that we have all those little things that are like, like where we have placeholders for the truly dynamic things, uh, which then can later be kind of like pulled uh, from where that is. So there was the whole idea that we don't need to build all these pages, etc. here just with a caching approach instead of a database approach. Um, but um, instead we just have to regenerate really what has changed on this page. And obviously with a pull-based approach, you get this part for free. 
It's also so, interesting to note that this uh, pull-based approach is, is exactly what an API-first uh, architecture um, would look like because uh, that's also what you do when you query data over an API. You pull exactly the data that you want, and that's what GraphQL, for instance, is so powerful at. You specify exactly what fields from the API you're interested in, and then you only get back those in return. And the server only has to work on these. The server doesn't produce any overhead data, and uh, only then... Uh, when sending that information filters out all of the things that you didn't query for, it actually just produces the data that you asked for. Uh, yeah, and that's so cool. Um, what I think what a web component could have, for example, a web component could have a data connector and uh, one of our or, or backend web component could have a data connector and this data connector could, for example, be GraphQL. So I could be, be eating my own dog food in the backend as well without all the problems um, that we're having. But I, I just define this, this backend component once and then where my data comes from, how it is generated is, is basically up to the developer. But I can use all these API first tools and I think that's where we need to go. Not, not, not as much as we need to rework all the admin interface and React that can come later, but instead we need to work on this pool-based approach, really being API first in ourselves and get back, get away from this traditional page request model. Absolutely. Philip Maylab, one of my colleagues, actually built a small prototype module that brings GraphQL into Twig. So you can use GraphQL for rendering data in your templates. That's a very interesting approach and should, should probably be something to look at. Absolutely. And I know that uh, there was also a webinar recently about that um, uh, by, um, by the Amazie Labs team um, around uh, uh, GraphQL and Twig, as well as um, several DrupalCon sessions. Um, just to bring this back to a, a kind of an interesting topic that I know we all are passionate about. Um, one of the things you mentioned just now, Fabian, was really about this tension between uh, static content and dynamic experiences. Uh, one of the things that I know, uh, you know, with this kind of trend towards people using Gatsby and rendering static sites, that's all well and good, but a lot of people want more uh, dynamic experiences that are computationally much more complex that lead to a lot more struggle for uh, um, from from a, from, a, from from you know from the standpoint of infrastructure, uh, I'm curious. You know, how can we enable not only the vision that you're describing with web components and uh, you know and Sebastian, your vision for a more poll-based model uh, with API first, was is that going to enable things like real-time Drupal, uh, or is there still a long ways to go before we can even begin to talk about something like having real-time functionality built into Drupal itself? For me it is the road to real-time Drupal. And that's also why my, why my session is called um, kind of like the road to real-time Drupal or, because I think our and, and components um, everywhere approach um, would allow um, exactly this, um, that we can, can go there. And um, what you were talking about, first of all, is something I disagree <coughs> with. Because I think static HTML pages, they don't need much interactivity. You usually don't have that much interactivity. What you have is you have interactive components on those pages, which are sometimes dynamic, like a discourse widget for comments, like a feed widget for the news that you want to have actively, a stock ticker, whatever. I think those are the important things um, that are there. and. Um, but once you have a component-based approach, 
um, the nice thing about it is because they're data-based and all React components already react to data changes. All you need to do is you have something like a Node.js server, um, React PHP, whatever is pushing data, WebSockets, um, pull-based, poll-based, however it gets, it's just data. And as soon as the data is updated, your component gets updated. And that's how you, you get into, into the real-time field. That's for me the, the thing in that. I'm not thinking of, uh, of, of things like this is statically rendered HTML, whatever, but I think of things like this can be rendered on the front end, on the back end, and because it can be rendered on the front end as well, if data changes, I automatically get the real-time functionality. And um, yeah, as, as long as I have like a graph-based approach where I know when, what in the graph, graph changes. And how does uh, Fabian the picture look like for um, you know GraphQL with web components? Um, you know what does that kind of uh, approach look like? Actually, I defer to Fubi in that. Um, with GraphQL, I just combine my component with that. Probably a Node.js server could tell me something about that data has changed, and I do a new request for that. But that would be my naive approach. Uh, my approach for that whole thing would be to be more like like a like a database. JSON push-based approach where an OJS server is pushing the changes on my data tree that I'm interested in to me. So I know if something has changed, but um, how you can combine that with GraphQL really is a question for Sebastian. So whenever you are talking about real-time data, we are talking about a solution on top of Drupal because it has to live in a non-PHP environment. Otherwise, you cannot support WebSockets because Drupal is or PHP is not demonized, so it doesn't automatically give you the ability to um, to yeah push real-time data to a WebSocket connection, for instance. Um, uh, one option for that, for instance, would be to combine a Node.js server and uh, the Drupal PHP environment, for instance, with Redis or with a push-based approach where Drupal, whenever data saving or data mutations occur, uh, sends a notification to the Node.js environment uh, through a API call, for instance, or by pushing into a PubSub uh, environment like Redis or Kafka. Um, and then uh, Node.js can uh, update the data through a WebSocket on the clients. But that, that means in that case, you'd be also uh, communicating between the browser and the Node.js server and not directly communicate between the browser and the Drupal environment. Um, so that means you'd move the API components, so in this case GraphQL, to a, um, a Node.js uh, environment. There's a couple of different ways for solving that without losing the ability to use GraphQL directly from Drupal, which gives a few nice benefits, which is, for instance, the nice cake um, and uh, granular caching that you can achieve uh, if you have the GraphQL server very close to the data source. The closer the data source is to the GraphQL API, the more optimization you can do in terms of caching and also in terms of optimizing the database queries. Um, so you definitely want to still keep that. But there's uh, work being done, for instance, by the team um, around the, the Apollo uh, client that uh, is called uh, Apollo GraphQL Federation, for instance. But there's also a schema stitching, which is the older approach, um, where you can uh, forward uh, GraphQL queries across multiple edges and combine multiple GraphQL schemas into a single one, for instance. Um, that would come in, into play here. And then 
in terms of real-time data, uh, yes, WebSockets um, would be the, the best approach here. Polling always comes with its own complexities and also performance problems. Uh, with WebSockets, so, um, yeah, GraphQL does have WebSocket support. Um, you can use a special keyword in the GraphQL query, which is called a subscription. And uh, then you can subscribe to updates that are then handled uh, by an event um, emitter uh, using the observer pattern in, in, in Node.js, for instance. And uh, that works actually very nicely. Um, there's currently also work being done in the GraphQL spec where you'd be able to send queries and subscriptions uh, in, the same, in the same request. Uh, so you can send a GraphQL query, get the data uh, in the response, and automatically also open a WebSocket connection for a couple of the fields that you want to get future updates for. That sounds incredibly exciting. I think that um, that really, you know, this this kind of approach is really kind of the future that I want to see uh, definitely in Drupal. Um, since we're running out of time here, I want to kind of bring things back to, you know, our viewers and our listeners. You know, one of the things that they're really interested in is, how can they help with these two ideas? You know, these two, for example, helping out with GraphQL v4. Um, Fabian, you've obviously got a lot of ideas about web components uh, in Drupal. How can, um, let's, 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 let's start with, uh, with you, Fabian. How can people help you in terms of realizing this web components-based approach that sounds awfully compelling, but needs to be made a reality? <laughs> um, first of all, come to my session, challenge my ideas point out the problems about it, point out the uh, uh, drawbacks, specs, and um, tell me it's all not feasible. <laughs> no, uh, really, um, uh, if you want to come to the session, it's on Tuesday. Uh, afterwards, this Preston session, um, you'll find it in the schedule. So if you're there, I would be really happy if you would be there and we can have like a nice question answer session and um, talk about it and, and really, um, I mean, I've been able together with uh, with Wim and and Akia to uh, to really help shape how performance and things work like in Drupal, and that we can have more things like that. And maybe we can make this happen here as well. And um, this is the first time I'm presenting it, so I'm I'm assuming it will take some time. Um, by the way, Big Pipe also presented Amsterdam, so it might be good for writing um, originally, which. Uh, made a lot of those changes then in the end. Um, but yeah, that's one of the things I'm really passionate about is, is this real-time aspect, this web components aspect, and how we can streamline development, make it easier, and still keep all the Drupal, what makes Drupal so great, so nice, so cool to use, but still have a much, much better experience and be ready to not be overwhelmed by this new front-end technologies where we are starting to age more and more. And I see it's similar to how we, um, um, we uh, made Drupal 8 kind of like on this object-oriented approach to, to really see the new patterns. I'm seeing here a new pattern within the front-end world emerging, and I think we as Drupal need to be ready for it. That sounds great. Thanks, Fabian. I know I'm looking forward to your session and uh, all the conversations we'll have in Amsterdam. Um, Sebastian, you know, how about on your end? Obviously, uh, uh, there's a huge initiative that needs to kind of surface around real-time Drupal, but for the smaller kind of steps to get there, um, how can people help you with um, your vision around GraphQL and enabling some of these future uh, priorities? 
As you know, module development is always a chicken and egg problem. So you first need a client that needs the module. So <laughs> pushing the idea of using React and GraphQL with Drupal as a backend uh, is already a good help because then the more adoption we have, the more um, contributors we attract. But also if you are interested in contributing to the module directly, there's a load of ideas that I have that uh, would be very beneficial to the module that we currently just don't have the resources to, to uh, do ourselves. Um, so if you're interested in contributing to the module, um, welcome, feel free to join us on the Drupal Slack. We have a channel there, it's just called um, hash GraphQL. Um, and yeah, reach out to me on Slack. And by the way, if you are uh, uh, less uh, uh, knowledgeable about decoupled Drupal, want to find out more, want to learn about kind of the uh, building blocks and, and base level components or some of the ideas around decoupled Drupal, I also have a book that's out called Decoupled Drupal in Practice um, with, uh, I believe actually all of us on this call are, are mentioned somewhere in the book. So <laughs> uh, we can do a bit of an Easter egg hunt to to uh, look those names up. Um, anyways, we are out of time. I just want to say thank you so much to Sebastian and Fabian and Michael. I know you all took a lot of time out of your busy day to be here with us. Um, our viewers appreciate it. Our listeners appreciate it. Um, we post all of these tag team talks at tag1.com slash tag team talks. And all the links that we mentioned today, all of the things that we mentioned, all of the resources we mentioned will be online with the talk alongside the YouTube video, alongside the blog post on tag1.com. By the way, if you liked what you heard today, please remember to upvote, subscribe, share it with your colleagues, share it with your children, share it with your grandma, share it with everyone in your neighborhood. And if you have any ideas about things that you would like us to talk about next, please send us an email at tagteamtalks at tagoneconsulting.com. Once again, I want to say thank you so much to all of our guests today who are hailing from all around the world, Sebastian in Hamburg, Fabian in Switzerland, Mike in New York. And this is us signing off of Tag One Team Talks. Thank you from London and have a great rest of your day.